welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. Good evening, everyone. Uh, my name is C.J. Reynolds. I run this channel called Real Rap with Reynolds, which is real rap is what my students call like real talk. So we are having a real talk about what it means to be in education and to be an educator. And so I remember what it was like in the beginning when I was nervous. I didn't like Sunday nights because it just meant that Monday morning was like a day away and it was like the opposite of the Annie song. It was like the sun will come out tomorrow and that terrifies me. So I thought I would create this space where not just me, but like a bunch of educators are on here and we are figuring it out together as a community, right? I think um, that I don't have all the answers, but you know what? If I don't, any number of awesome people in the side and the comments are gonna know the answer. So it, there are oftentimes people ask me questions and I don't know the answer. And I just say, hey, Royster, what do we do? Or Tracy Pinter or any number of other amazing human beings that are on the side, um, share that. And if you wanna, if you're not catching this live and you would like to, this is every Sunday night at 5 p.m. Eastern time. We go on, except for last Sunday, but I'll get to that in a second. This is also available as a podcast. Just type in um, Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk into any podcast thing. We do it like I have my guy Jake is hooking this up and he puts it out onto all conceivable platforms for podcasts. You can do that also. And if this isn't enough, I'd be happy to come and speak at your school or you can sign up for mentoring program or... I don't know. Any all that stuff. You know, all the regular stuff. And in March, uh, my book comes out. I was just writing a really good part of it tonight. Like, so I have all these edits that I'm doing, and I'm slowly. Gosh, I'm I'm way beyond where I'm where I'm supposed to be with this, but I'm trying to quickly get done because I want it to come out. It's this weird thing. It's like you want to hurry up and make dinner, but you don't want it to taste like crap. So I'm trying to not have dinner taste like crap. <laughs> um. So real quick, last week. Uh, gosh, it was just, there's so much stuff going on. My poor wife's family, like I'm not, so if anyone's watching this, I'm not going to put anyone's business out there, but there's just like a lot going on, um, in all over her family. And that coupled with the death of my student that happened about, I guess about a month ago now. And the, just the regular life of a teacher and YouTuber and dad, it was like, we got up last Sunday morning, we had coffee like we always do, and we got into an argument. Was it an argument or was it just me spazzing? It was, yeah, or it both. was not an argument. It was just- Like you were trying to be calm and cool and kind, and then yeah, I- it was an explosion of stress is it, what it, it was. was. It was, that's exactly, that's, it was like a volcano but, erupted. <laughs> but I feel like, to be honest, like that's what I always need. Oh, like absolutely. I always builds up to that and then I sort of explode and then I can, fix what's going or yeah. like I can manage can what's think happening rationally then. and so that ended though me by me saying I'm gonna I can't that's it I'm done and I just went I took like a three-hour nap on the couch <laughs> and then I woke up and I watched the Jane Goodall show on Disney plus which is freaking great um and that was it man we just, and then we just chilled all day family day and which didn't was do much needed. it was so needed because I just don't do that enough and you know, then maybe that's a lesson learned. So, um, so yeah, that's where I've kind of been. That that's what happened last week. So, are we ready? Yeah. Enough about let's me. Go. Let's jump into some questions. Um, sticking with sixth, how do you motivate kids during silent reading? I feel like mine spend most of their time just staring off into space where they fall asleep. 
Uh, so mine do too, right? So like my answer isn't the be all end all, but some of the ways that I do it is I have um, piece of foam core board, giant piece of foam core board. And on it, I write independent reading day. And I put it on a, like on a yardstick and I stand in the hallway with it. So every day dudes are reminded that they need to bring their independent reading book. And I also do it because I'm excited about independent reading day. I love independent reading day because it means I get to independently read for 20 minutes per period with my students. And that is like a dream because I don't have enough time to read in my life. So just that is letting people know that they can show up and like that I'm pumped to do this. Then when they come in, I hold up whatever book I'm reading. So this week I'm, I'm going to just shout this book out because I is like literally reading about my own life. Um, I'll be like, you know, reading this book about any number of different topics. I try to get through a book a week so that I don't, I'm not reading the same book that I, I don't want to tell the students about the same thing every week. So when I'm reading something, um, I'm getting excited. Yo, yo, check it real quick. Here's the book that I'm reading. And this is why I love it so much. So in the last few weeks, I've read Caesar Milan's book about dog whispering or whatever the hell it's called. He has a bunch of books out, but it was really interesting. And I told the students I was reading it so that I could better teach them. And they were like, does that mean we're like dogs? And I was like, I didn't mean that, but maybe sometimes. Um, like puppies anyway, squirrely puppies. Uh, I've been reading um, Be Real by Tara Martin. I've been reading, uh, I forget what else I was reading. But anyway, I'm reading all these books and I'm telling them about like, yo, here's this craziest thing that happened in it. And then I'll just pick like the best part and explain it to the students. And what that does is it gets them excited about the possibility that I'm actually reading a book that they might wanna read themselves. Then I always read with my students. You can't do other stuff. You have to be immersed in what your children are doing to get them more motivated. Because then I'm mirroring what it looks like. Then, I, since I let my students sit wherever they want in the room while we're doing independent reading, I will go sit near the kids that are the most problematic, the kids that are always staring off in the space, the kids that are always talking. And I wait till they settle and then I insert myself. So if there's three dudes sitting on the couch, I'll squeeze my scrawny ass in the middle of two of them. And then I just kind of nestle in there and then we're reading. And then I always make a joke about how adorable it is or like how ridiculous it is or like um, it, but it is, you're like literally doing the thing you want them to do like in front of them and then they have no choice usually. And so that's, that's how that happens. And then I have dudes share out afterwards what they're reading and why they're reading it and what they think about it. And that also just sort of like builds this culture of people that are excited about reading or something cool is happening in a book. Um, and actually last week, this is a good thing too. I had a student that read a book and he said, yo, I finished my book Reynolds. And I go, Oh really, man? Like, um, how many books do you think you've read in your life? He goes for real. This is the first book I ever read in my life. I go for real beginning to end. And he goes, yeah. So I go, Bro, keep that book. And he goes, what? I go, yeah. I said, that thing's like a trophy now, man. Like you need to take that home, put it on your shelf and face out as this is a thing that I accomplished. I said, then I want you to go on Amazon and find another book, maybe by that author, since he, cause he really liked the author. Um, I said, any book by him and I'm gonna buy it for you. And he was like, real rap? And I said, yeah, man. And so that was that. It was like a really See, great moment. how did you not tell me that story? Well, because I have a lot of stories to tell you. That's a great story. All right. Um, did you ever recover from Teach Better 19? LOL, Tracy Pender saying, dude, Teach Better 19 was so good. I don't even, did I even talk about that on here? Like, I don't know if we 
Dude, it was so good. Here's why. It's been a whirlwind. Because you are, I think you're largely the average of the five people you hang out with the most. And that conference was like, I've been to a lot of conferences. I've been around, I've met a lot of great people and this doesn't try to minimize anyone else I've met. It was such an onslaught of people that I did not know previously that are, are so awesome and doing so much good stuff that it was like overwhelmed, being overwhelmed by awesomeness. So like, there's a reason that like high achievers are high achievers. So you hang out with Adam Welcome and you're like, damn, like this is why this dude is where he is. This is why guys like, um, and these are all people you can check out on Twitter too. Like Ryan Sheehy, who wrote uh, B1 for the Kids is like a really, like really great dude. There's a reason he's a great principal. Brad Hubbard, Tara Martin, um, Dave and Shelly Burgess, uh, Alicia, oh, I lost her last name. Yeah, Ray and everyone from the Teach Better team from like all, all those dudes are just doing great stuff and are excited about it. It made me like want to show back at school and like kick the door down and be like, so, we're, like we're teaching today. Like this, that's what's happening. We're somebody, Somebody's learning something today. And I haven't felt like that in so long. Like that level of it, damn, man, it was great. And Burgess's talk. For Adam Welcome's talk was really good too, but Bur they were the two keynotes. Burgess's talk was so next level. Uh, I started reading his book, Teach Like a Pirate. And if you if you follow me at all, you know I do not read teacher books. Um, it's just not my jam, which is the irony as I'm writing a teacher's book. But um, I read a lot of business books and, and self-development books and stuff like that. But his book is like, I feel like I wrote it myself. Like every, he is the same type of crazy that I am. And it is just like lit me up. So between those two things, man, I'm in feel on fire. John Lopez. Um, John Lopez, I see you on here a lot. I appreciate you, man. Um, question, if you were ever to be the secretary of education, which changes would you make? Gosh, I, I think the biggest service we could do for teachers is one on all levels, try and create equity in the classroom, right? Like students need to all have the same things available to them. I've gotten to visit some really amazing schools. And when I started teaching, I used to get pissed off at schools that had a lot of resources, that had a lot of like room, that had a lot of supplies. And the funny thing is now I go in and I'm like, no man, this is what everybody's school should be like. It is amazing and it is awesome to have that. I think, the, and, and equity in terms of students being able to, like, so when there's resources, I can have my students, like black and brown boys, reading books by black and brown authors, by having the money to bring in speakers, by having like opportunities to go and, and visit places where my students can see themselves in the community and see people that like look like them or have come from the same place as them achieving things that they want to achieve is like next level. And so I, I think that would be one. The second thing is complete teacher autonomy. I think that teachers need to be treated like professionals. And when they are, I think they will step up because then they're not trapped behind some scripted, lazy curriculum. You are actually saying you're, you are a professional. You need to do what you think is best for your students. And then I think my third thing would be, I, I really think, I'm, here we go. Let me, let me piss off some people maybe. I think tenure is a dangerous thing because I think it makes teachers lazy and apathetic. And I am, and in saying that, I think some teachers shouldn't be teaching. And so, um, 
I think make room for people that want to teach, that really need to teach. And and maybe maybe giving them that autonomy gets them all riled up and now they want to do stuff and they have resources and they're excited about it. But like, my guess is my third grade teacher would not have been like that anyway. She seemed like she really hated children. She seemed like it was, uh, what the hell was that movie that Marley loved when the little girl was like living in a, she went to that awful school and she had that very... Matilda. Oh, That's wow. what some teachers seem like. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like those people need to be cut loose. Um, How about increasing pay? Everybody needs more money as a teacher. Yeah. I. Th yes. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. So, but I was only allowed to pick a couple things. Oh. I think people would rather be happy and if you were miserable and paid more, it wouldn't yeah. work out. If Agreed. you felt like you had Agreed. freedom and resources and you could do the work yeah. and you were still getting whack pay, You'd be on fire, man. Yeah. You'd feel like liberated. And... Well, because no one goes into this job for the money. Initially, I mean, like they go we did, because... but then we. No, did. Not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Mrs. L. Hewitt is asking, needing ideas for a party. The English department, the English teacher beside me has a birthday party two days before, and she wants to join. We want a hilarious. We uh, we want a join hilarious thing to do, like a joint. Yeah. Uh, so I think one, um, I invite, I want students to be in on this Two, I think anytime you can involve silly string and confetti that you get at the dollar store, it's a wrap. Like it's already next level. So I think, look, it's doing something little. So I love having, um, students one, here's what my favorite gifts. I give it to every single person that ever lets us come and visit them. I get a frame. And I put a picture of like a teacher in there or a teacher with students or something like that, right? Take it a few days before, have it put in the, in the frame, it could be a cheap frame. And then on the mat of the frame, I have students write things like, thanks so much for being a great teacher. Thanks so much for caring for us. Like kids are writing messages on that. And then that's your gift. And then have a little party. It doesn't matter what you get. You go to like the food store and get like all the pre-made stuff. But then I think you have to involve confetti and glitter and silly string because it's the best and it's the gift that keeps on giving because if you've ever used that confetti that's shaped like a number or something you know you find those things like five years later in your house <laughs> is there a blinking light in our house right now oh, the add is kicking in here we go um annie yaxal i think that's right that's a wild last name very it's very cool looking um what advice would you give students who struggle with school because of adhd I think that we need to not look at ADD as a problem. It's just a difference in the type of student, right? So like, I think that's number one. I think when kids feel like they are, they have um, something that makes them less, like I can't sit still, like I can't focus. Um, we're, not, we're not helping them to really take ownership of it because it's something that's like, I don't like about myself. And so I, I think, one, giving kids standing desks. Like, it's not that hard. Like, go find something and put fence posts under it and screw them into the side and a table becomes a slightly taller table and now someone can stand at it. I think giving kids fidgets that you, I have a whole video coming out on this. I just shot the other day. Go to the dollar store, buy a bunch of crap that kids can play with, right? So now you're focusing on something else. I think creating lessons that are five to 10 minutes in length and that's it and you Tell kids that like, yo, I need you to hone in for five minutes, bro. 10 minutes. That's it. I think giving kids breaks. I think giving kids, my children that went to this public school where we live 
were given my third grader last year seven minutes a day on the playground. That is completely ridiculous. I think letting kids run it out, eventually, it's like Seabiscuit, man. You just let Seabiscuit run for as long as he can. If you don't know what movie I'm talking about, you need to go watch it because it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Seabiscuit runs it out, and then he's tired, man. Like, I, in the beginning of the year, here's, I'll give you an example. We did the Odyssey, and one of the lessons we did with the Odyssey was I had the students follow me around silently all over the campus, like, out the door, in the door, up all the steps, down all the steps, jumping over railings, jumping over fences, climbing under stuff, going through bushes, and they had to follow me. And if they didn't, they were done. They were the members of the crew that just didn't make it. And after doing so, we turned that into a lesson. We had a conversation about why I did that. But the short of it was, dudes I knew that were hype every single day, multiple kids came up to me and they were like, this is the best thing we've done. Can we do this every single day? Like, because they were ready to like go in and sit down then. So doing something for students that helps them to get that energy. I really thought about getting a trampoline in my classroom, like a mini trampoline, but I'm also afraid that some kid's going to go through a wall or like shoot out a window or something like that on accident. Yeah, it could be really dangerous. Yeah. Put Maybe one of Build a box and put the thing in there. <laughs> and so it's like a safety. So we just hear kids <laughs> banging against the box. Oh. That would be great for an observation. What's in there? Oh, yeah, we have... Uh, Nathan's, uh, you know, Nathan in the box. put him in the jumpy box. He need, he had a little too much energy. Yeah, that'll go over well, real well with the with the special ed department. <laughs> That's got to be some kind of... Uh, My birdie would love that. What is it? Fapa? What is the thing? <laughs> it's putting him in a restrictive environment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> extremely restrictive. But I think all those things help. And if you have ADHD, I think being upfront with a teacher and saying like, look, man, I'm struggling with this. And then trying to help like tell that teacher what it looks like for your struggle. Cause I think most teachers don't actually know what that looks like and say, I need help in dealing with this. Can you help me make a plan? Bam. Now you're on offense and not defense and you're winning. What do you got? Oh, shucks. You're just reading things, aren't you? Oh, I don't have, <clears throat> I'm sorry. Hold on. Hold on. We call this when my wife just starts reading comments, we call it hullabalooing. <laughs> Are you hullabalooing right now? No. Um, which your whole balloon always, it really pays off more times than it doesn't. Oh, I know. So I appreciate you. Uh, Kimberly W is asking, I'm a para and a well-loved teacher died of cancer last week. What is the best way to help the students and the faculty? So I have ironically a video coming out about this too. There's a woman I follow on Instagram called the urban, the urban school psychologist, right? And her name's Nicole and Nicole uh, came in to talk to, with me about like, what do we do for students that are dealing with trauma or teachers that are teaching students that have been through trauma or when teachers themselves have been through some sort of trauma. And the overwhelming answer that she and I kind of like that she was sharing with me was that we need to give kids space to feel how they feel and to let them know that it's okay. Um, Mr. Rogers, and I was reminded, who's like one of my favorite heroes of all time. I'm so glad that this movie came out about him because it's making him really popular again. And, and I think his words are needed. Mr. Rogers used to say that anything that is mentionable is manageable. So anything that you can bring yourself to talk about is something that we can now help each other deal with. And I think that the answer for teachers is that you don't have to have the answer. Your, your attention is far more important than your advice. Right, let me say that again. Your attention is far more important than your advice. 
And in that, you are simply letting a student know that you are someone that will care for them and that you don't have to have the answers. There's nothing that you can say to, them to help those kids get over what they're going through. And you're not trying to help them get over it. You're helping them to go through it. And you go through something by holding someone's hand, not by telling them the right thing to say. And so that's what I would do. And, 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 let the, and know that that's going to, it's going to come, it's going to be high sometimes. And then like that anxiety and that depression and that sadness will be low. And then it'll spike at different times. <clears throat> and so be ready for that. It's never over. It's always just goes through different phases. Um, and you have to just be ready for it again and again and again. So, um, yeah, I hope everything turns out without what, like that situation. I'm really sorry that that happened. Um, this is when questions are difficult because like I'm going to jump into another question. I don't want to make it sound like I'm, I'm kind of done with that. So just know that I'm thinking and hoping and praying for you all. Like in real life, I'm, I'll really do that for you. Uh, Tina Rich, Richer? Tina's richer than me. Oh, no. um, question. As a teacher, <laughs> we are often the very last to know the issues that students are dealing with. Does your admin communicate with teachers? Gosh, that's a really good question, dude. Um, they are better at it, but it is something that we had to sort of push for, I feel like, because sometimes kids are going through something and I'll find out that a student's parent was imprisoned. A kid went into foster care. A kid is sleeping in the basement on like an old sofa or something like that and doesn't have a room, but like is like in like a cellar. And so when you find out this stuff, it's like all they're acting out, all their behavior issues in class. We're not coming from a place of them just being like a butthead that week. It's like there was a reason, not an excuse, a reason. And the about that, it's really, it, it's really important. Um, not because you're trying to spread rumors or whatever. Like, I don't know what the rationale behind not sharing that information is because it helps you to actually have empathy and compassion for a student in a time where they really need it. To have that kid on the front of your radar instead of just like trying to kick him out of class because they're acting like a fool. So yeah, it, they, they've definitely gotten better at that. Um, and I will say that my friend, Miss Cho in particular, like I'm not trying to call people out, but I also don't want to show something I've talked about before. So I don't want to talk about my administrators and, and put their names out there. But like um, they, but I know my friend Miss Cho like does a really good job of that as well. And so it doesn't mean that everyone else isn't doing a good job. I'm just, she's been on here before. And I want you to know that she's a wonderful administrator and she's like, um, it feels really good to know when you have strong admin. And I've been, I've had the pleasure of doing that. And even my admin now, like, they're very good at listening. They're very good at taking in what you say, internalizing it, and then doing something with that. And it's something I really appreciate about them. Um, Katie Younger One is asking, how do you get out of burnout mode? Large, difficult group of grade sevens, but I know that they need me. I'm spread so thin with 35 of them and no support. I think there's a, there's a couple of things that you're gonna do here, right? One, you need to fully accept the fact that it might not get any better than this this year. And here's why that's empowering. Because you're not hoping. You're not sitting there like, you know, I can't believe I'm going to make my second Annie reference in, in the night because it's not something I reference very often. But in Annie, when you have all these, these kids that are like older than anyone wants to adopt and they're sitting there and they're hoping and hoping and hoping and hoping, it's like, Gosh, if you just accepted your reality, right? Like, I'm not, hope's a good thing. But when we 
are waiting for somebody else to show up, I think that it is, it doesn't work. Um, I also think that taking on full that <clears throat> it's only on us. I can't, I can't write the special ed department, the parents, the admin, the other teachers. What if this all fell on me and the kids had to succeed this year? Right. So what we're doing is like minimizing excuses, even though they might be valid, minimizing excuses, accepting our reality and now thinking so audaciously, what would this look like if this had to be awesome? If the students had to progress, like, like almost like gun to your head, what, what, what happens now? And I think that shifts your thinking because it allows you to think bigger and to accept what's going on. So one of those things that I do is make sure that my mental and physical health is the number one priority, priority more than special ed paperwork, more than grades, more than calling parents, more than getting back to people in emails, more than anything else. It is me. My friend Alicia says, uh, her dad used to tell her, um, no gas in the car, nobody's going anywhere. And so you got to put gas in your car. Oh, we saw you, girl. We I saw know. you. Um, so what can you do to fill that up? For me, it is scheduling time with my family. It's literally putting on the schedule dates with my wife. So we went out on Friday night. We went to go see the new Mr. Rogers movie. We went out for drinks ahead of time and had appetizers at a bar. Um, and that just fills you up with goodness. It's making sure that I'm praying and meditating. It's making sure that um, I am spending an appropriate amount of time like, not just sitting in my house getting sunlight. So I just, we just ordered one of those like sun lamps. Um, who was doing it? Casey Morse mm -hmm. was talking about it and we were like, oh, I'll try it. Like it's putting all that into me, whatever that is, right? Like, so that I'm at my best so that when I show up at school, I am overflowing with goodness. And when you're overflowing with goodness, there's, you have goodness to spare, right? And then all the regular stuff that pisses you off doesn't piss you off as much anymore because you're you're feeling great about that stuff. And then the other thing I would say is um, be mindful of who you're hanging out with. And I would really go into the Facebook group, the Real Rapid Reynolds Teacher Talk Facebook group and put in there like what are lessons or things that I can do? Like who else is in my boat? Like let me paint this picture for you. Who else is there with me? Then let's support one another through that. So then you're dealing with a closed group of people that are all trying to find greatness for their students as well, but are in these tricky situations. Um, short question, long answer. Uh, welcome to this amazing life. What's up? You, let me just say something about you. I don't know what your real name is. Maybe it's, maybe that's your name and your parents were just really excited that you were born. Um, but welcome to this amazing life has been on the live feeds a lot lately. Uh, they are also always in the comment section, always dropping, you know, beautiful comments and kindness in there and stuff like that too. Like, I really appreciate you. And I just want you to know that, that I don't know who you are or what your actual name is, except for the fact that I'm going to pretend that your name is welcome. It's like Adam welcome, but reversed. So I appreciate you. Uh, question. So do teachers get annoyed if you don't answer questions correctly? I get scared to raise my hand in class sometimes out of fear that I will get it wrong and my teachers will hate me. Um, I think it depends on the teacher. Like, I know that I get confused all the time. Like, I, I like even in faculty meetings, like I'll be sitting there and they'll give us directions on how they want us to do something on the computer. And I'm like, bro, I don't even know what you're talking about right now. Like, and then once I don't know what they're talking about, then I just like start thinking about other stuff. Cause I'm like, I'm already lost. And it's like, it's like, if you were giving me directions to go somewhere 
And I was, and I didn't know if you said left or right. It's like, what the hell am I listening to the rest of it for anyway? Like, I don't, like, I'm already lost. So what I try to do is be open and say, there's a good chance. I have zero idea what we're talking about right now. But here's what I think the answer is. And some teachers get annoyed at that. But you know what? It's like they need to just get over themselves because it's about helping the students out. And, and not everyone hears things the first time or they start, you know, maybe like, Sometimes um, when I am somewhere, so like we were at a church today and uh, we were at this church meeting and the pastor was saying something and then at some point everyone was like, like gasped, like they loved what he said and I was like, oh snap, I missed it because I was thinking about something you said like three steps ago and that sent me down this rabbit trail. So I think just being honest and saying, I apologize. I like, I was, you had me thinking about something and I got lost in what we were talking about. Here's what I think the answer is. And that's it. I think it's all about being open and honest about who you are and what happened um, that helps teachers see that you're still trying. So I think that's that's the move. Uh, Ashime, 18, I think that's right. We'll go with it. Um, I'm in my first year teaching in the UK. Awesome, congratulations. Uh, where can I get ideas for exercises to do lessons, like interactive activities for kids, to do so that I'm not just lecturing them or chatting in pairs. First of all, awesome. Like, because remember this, like school sucks so much most of the time. Go from class to class to class and they sit there quietly and they listen to the teacher talk about stuff and it's super freaking boring. So even if you just move the needle a little bit to the left or the right, just makes the day better. You are, when I talk about in my, when I give talks, I have this whole portion where I talk about sprinkling magic. Sprinkling magic means you're not changing everything. You're just changing little things along the way that make it better. Vanilla is better with hot fudge on top of it, right? Vanilla ice cream is just better. Like pancakes aren't as good if they don't have butter and syrup. You're not eating butter and syrup for breakfast. You're eating the pancake I'm giving a lot of unhealthy options here, but you know what I'm saying here is like, it's, it is just the thing you add onto. It doesn't have to be all of it. I don't just drink sugar and cream for breakfast. I have cookie or, oh my gosh, I'm hashtag winning, tonight, but coffee. Um, <laughs> coffee with a little bit of, of cream in it. And I don't do sugar because that stuff's evil. Um, so I would look up any lesson you're doing, like whatever it is, you're learning math facts, you're learning vocabulary, you're learning about the Odyssey, you're learning algebra, and then type into Google, amazing algebra lesson, right? What that does for you is if someone has the guts to put their stuff out into the world and say, amazing anything in front of it, it's gonna friggin' be at least pretty good. If you Google amazing chicken recipe, that thing better be friggin' good because you just put amazing in front of it. And I don't want some like good chicken. I want some amazing chicken. Um, I find that teachers.org or teachers.net has a lot of stuff. That's Harry Wong's site. I think New York Times uh, here in the US, if you go to newyorktimes.com or type in New York Times lesson plans, there's tons of good stuff in there. And yeah, you could do TPT, but that costs money and it's, and it's, and we don't have that. Um, I think, yeah, those are the couple that come to my mind. Uh, let's do this. Other folks that are in the, the chat here, can you please type in what are resources, free free places to get resources that you love 
um, so that anyone that's watching this even later can go in and just scroll through the comments and see like, here's a bunch of places that you can get free, awesome content um, for teachers. So cheers and good luck to you. What do you got? Wait, did you answer that one already? Mm. No. Oh. Um, okay, we'll do that one. Yep, that's next. Jessica Morton is asking, how do you manage all the things you have to do and, and what to do as a teacher? There never seems to be enough time for anything my admin asks of me and the things I want to do for my students. So I'm gonna tell you what works for me, right? I do not always recommend this, but I think it pushes the, uh, the needle in the right direction. Um, I, one, have gotten very good at saying no. Someone will ask me to do something. Someone will request, like, they'll say, like, we need you to, I don't know, uh, chaperone something. I need you to be a part of this program. I need you to stay after school with these particular students. I need you to sit in the office with kids that are in trouble because we need to go get whatever. And I just say, no. Um, it's not because I don't care. It's because I'm already working on something that's important. So after school, I spend time with students or I'm outside on the street, like making sure kids are leaving okay, sending kids off. Like that's important. I don't have time to like sit inside and do your little piece of paperwork or your form that you need to do because this is actually really important. Like right now, like saying goodbye to kids and, and sending them off right. Um, or if, uh, you know, whatever else I have to do, like I just politely say no. I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm not trying to come off like a, like, like someone that's, you know, uh, saying F the man or something like that. Like, I'm really just trying to do stuff that I really think is, is good as well. Um, and, <clears throat> and I have that conversation with people, but I learned how to say no. The other thing is I realized that there's all, it's never ending. You never, ever, ever get to the end of it. It's like counting. You're not like, if you can, if I, if you do it faster, it doesn't get you any closer to the end. It's like, just rest in the fact that it never all gets finished. And then I make a list of what I have to do. Here's a really practical thing. I make a list of everything I need to do. And then I figure out what three things can I do today? And then I allocate time for those three things. If I'm grading, I have 30 minutes to grade. That's it. Then it's a hard out and I'm doing something else. If I have to call parents, I can literally speak to them for five minutes. Hi, ma'am. I had five minutes real quick. And I just wanted to call home and let you know that this, this, this happened. Okay. I really, if you want more, I can schedule another time to speak with you, but I have to get on the phone with another parent. They're expecting my call right now and I'll speak to you later. Um, it's like allocating these hard out times for what you're going to do because Parkinson's law says that an, um, anything you do, like a task takes the amount of time that you give it. And so if you have all the time in the world to talk to a parent, they will take up all the time in the world. If you have all the time in the world to grade, you'll sit there and grade for all the time in the world and you never get done or plan or whatever it is. But if you know you have an hour to plan for the week, bro, it's on and now you gotta get it done in that amount of time. Uh, Johnny Chingus, I see you on here all the time too, bro. Thank you. Uh, hi, Mr. Reynolds, congrats on almost reaching 365 days of running. Yes, I did not run yet today though and I'm not happy about it. Um, are you having a book signing event? Please do. I have, Johnny, I don't know what's, going on. So for those of you that don't know, one, I have, uh, I've been running every, running every day for a year. I started on December 10th last year. So I have like, I'm in like day two, four, oh, today, two, three fifty. Today might be 350 days in a row that I run. And 
man, I'm gonna make a video about that, but that's a lot, that's a lot of editing. Um, two, I have a book called Teach Your Class Off, The Real Rap Guide to Teaching. And I'm not sure, I think Burgess Consulting is gonna lead some of that. So I'm not really sure what goes on I think they hit up all of like the, like, they set up the podcast, they set up the interviews events, like, and all that sort of yeah. stuff is like handled through them or like events. Yeah. I think so. I would love to. I love talking to people. I love See? meeting people. It's ridiculous. I'm like uh, Buddy the Elf over here. Uh, <laughs> Michael is asking, Michael Cap Capello? Capello. Michael is asking, um, what to do with ESL students' fifth grade writing does not speak English and had previously been in a self-contained environment in Colombia. Has a bilingual aid, but I do not speak Spanish, by the way. Uh, LOL, also IEP has social emotional issues as well. So, all right, here's what you do with this kid. One, you tell that student that no matter what, you want them to be successful this year. I'm so glad you made it to my classroom because, bro, you hit the lottery. And look, is that a little bit like narcissistic? I think that kids too often are told this prognosis of like, of all those things. And if they know those things, and it's like, it's disheartening to them to know that they're different than everyone else, that they don't learn the same as everyone else, that they're going to have more trouble than everyone else. So it's like, no, bro, this is going to be awesome. Watch what happens. And then I would get things like graphic novels for that student so they can read some of that stuff as well. I would get audiobooks. I would get text to speech stuff so you can get like a Kindle or like, um, even if you, you have like an old iPhone that that student can but read he on. He speak English. What's that? He doesn't speak English. Yeah, but, the, but how do you learn how to speak English? By speaking English. Okay. Right? So like I think, right? This is my, this is my, like this is, I, I'm saying this because I've done this when I worked in Camden. Okay. Um, I had a student named Demania that, uh, if you're out there, hello. Um, I know she follows me on social. Demania spoke zero English her freshman year. She just came from, I think she came from Dominican Republic. And she would meet with me before school and after school and we would work through things and we would read things. I think that when you're listening to an audio book and you have headphones in and you're reading it, it's helping you to, to it's helping to move the needle a little bit, right? I don't know. Maybe somebody out here speaks actual Spanish and knows what the hell they're talking about. And I'm just like, no, that makes but sense. I have zero resources, right? Like dream on a budget, man, where I teach. Yeah. We don't, there's no, I wouldn't even have a bilingual aid. Um, and I think by involving them in conversations, by asking them questions, <clears throat> all that regular stuff helps you to learn English better. And then I, we used to have a crew that came in after school. It was all of these students that like um, were Spanish speaking at home. And so they would all meet in my room and we'd go back over the lesson again. But we put on like whatever kind of music, they were always playing like, like reggaeton in my room and stuff like that. And we'd like have snacks and like, we made like a thing out of it every day. It was like, yo girls, like it was, it ha just happened to be all female students. Like all these girls would like come in and like, we'd just hang out, like listen to music and eat snacks and talk about whatever we were learning in class. And it made it fun. It made it less threatening. And I was committed to them doing better. And sometimes that commitment is contagious. And then you're getting kids excited about what's going on. And you're like, bro, this is how we're going to win. And so I think that that really helps, but I think for reading, it's as simple as like creating shorter answers, having that text to speech, having audio books and 
like I think graphic novels are great because it's a picture of what's going on and there's more of an incentive. When you're reading Spider-Man or Avengers and you know that's what that kid loves, now they're reading it in English, they want to know what's going on. I know one of the things that really helped Brody grow in reading was playing video games. Yeah. When you play Halo and you have to do all the reading in between all the cutscenes, now you want to know what's going on and it, it makes you want to read. Someone also saying Google Translate, which is... Yeah, yeah, I think that all that stuff is a great idea. So mm -hmm. if anybody else has actual, like, real answers, not just like my made up ones that I just came up with that, like I've been doing, that would be awesome if you could help out with that on the side. Like, I'm not the aficionado in that area, um, but I know some of you might be. And so, like, please leave your answers and, and help my man out with that, please. Uh, which one am I looking at you? Uh, which one? Oh, how much is the book if it's shipped here in PH? Uh, Philippines. Philippines. Oh, my gosh. So the, it'll be on Amazon. The book will be on Amazon. So, so I think it's just the same anywhere because it's not coming from the U.S. Like I'll probably I don't know if I imagine we sell them on our website as well. Yeah. But if it's on the Philippines, anybody should be able to get it anywhere in the world. Yeah. So cheers to that. Love the, my wife was born in the Philippines. Um, I think I had that conversation with him in the oh, really? comment section before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. On an Air Force base that's no longer there because a volcano erupted and destroyed it. So that and happened. Has he seen Randy's book? Patron oh, yeah, bro. And you got to check out The Patron Saint of Nothing by Randy Rebuy, which is about the drug war that's happening in the Philippines. My man, he's my homie. I used to love drive me to school, he and now he's a big deal. For... Nominated for some kind of big medal and like was in DC. And <laughs> yeah, and he used to drive me to school. That's how I'll always remember him. Um, <laughs> I remind him whenever he's like doing something awesome, I'm like, remember when you should drive me to school? <laughs> um, uh, this is Andre Floor. Oh my gosh, I really apologize. I'm so bad with, with when vowels are involved. I'm like basically no nothing. Um, and I think it's Andre. Andre is asking, hi, I start teaching next year and it's kind of scary. It is very scary. Um, how should I handle students who try to test the new teacher? I'm 20 and I think they're going to be ninth or 10th grade. I think it comes down to one, letting students know they're there for them. I want this to be awesome. When someone tries to push you, I think it's about being consistent and explaining why, maybe not always in the moment, it's explaining why you're doing what you're doing, right? Not because they said so, because I'm the teacher, because I'm older than you, any of that stuff. It is. Bro, I need you to be quiet during this test because really, other students in the classroom are having a hard time focusing in on what's happening. And I need you to, to be quiet to help them out. You're actually helping them out. I think the other thing that you do is you cannot be afraid. Like you have, even if it's false courage. When I see teachers in classrooms telling everyone to be quiet, all right, guys, I need you to be quiet. Come on, shh, guys, shh, everyone. I need you to quiet down. I need you to quiet down. And then they teach kids are still talking that's a problem like figure something out that you're not backing down ever from students and that no backing down has to be come from a place of actual care like I'm not going on because this is so important and because I worked really hard on it and because I want you to be excited about it with me and I want to do this thing together and I know you're really going to love it it's like building that anticipation up um so that students 
will and then and then being firm in in where you stand that they're like nah bro like i'm not i'm like literally not going to talk over you there's zero chance that that's happening because i really care because i want you to have the best year ever and the best day ever the only way we're going to do that is you actually know what's going on right now so i need your attention for 10 seconds got it cool let's go and then and then it's party on. um tina richer is asking oh we already had this name Splendid. <laughs> I already made that joke too. Um, when will your book be published? Do you have a name yet? My book is going to be, <clears throat> it comes out in March through Burgess Consulting. So Dave Burgess, who wrote Teach Like a Pirate and a bunch of other books is putting it out. It'll come out sometime in March. I don't have an exact date yet. And it's going to be called Teach Your Class Off, The Real Rap Guide to Teaching. And it is all stuff that I wish I knew when I started teaching, but a lot of things that I think teachers that have are even veterans can use to like rekindle the magic, like stoke the flame a little bit in their classrooms. And it's a lot of the stuff that I talk about on YouTube, but it's a lot of like stories that I, I've never shared before, like about students, about myself. It's about talking about like my own depression, my own sadness, my own like um, inability to like really feel like I'm winning in the classroom or feel like I'm not helping students win in the classroom. And then how I've been able to sort of like overcome some of that stuff. And some of it's just how to be a jackass for the students. And that's it. Um, so that's that's what it's about. Uh, Beth Becker is asking, uh, what do you do to review before midterms? It just seems like we have so much material to review. How can I get my students ready for such a big exam? I teach high school chemistry. I would say, um, I would reverse engineer it what's on the test and then what do they need to know and then figure out like if you have i don't know four weeks before midterms or whatever i have zero idea how much time you have but if i had four weeks before i'd figure out exactly what was on there i'd map it out and then say okay these are the weeks and the days that we're going to review this stuff and i don't try to trick kids ever i think tricking kids is a terrible idea so that's why i get rid of true and false questions um, even my multiple choice, I can have kids write answers out on the side. Like, bro, if you don't think it's any of these four answers, explain your answer. Like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right. Maybe it could be two of these things for some reason. Just write it in there and we'll have the conversation. And then I think giving small assessments leading up gives students a picture of like where they are and how they're going to do. But I only, I don't threaten kids with exams. I only try to empower them. Look, this is going to be cake. Like it's so easy and you're going to really think it's easy because you've done the work and you've prepared for it. Um, and so make the preparation harder than the actual assessment. Um, Tom says that he won every single fight was because he's like, I trained so hard. The fight was, was a breeze. Like I didn't have to, I was never worried going into the ring because I trained so hard leading up to the thing. So that would be my five cents of advice for you. Maybe six cents. Um, <laughs> Paola, Sylvia, Luna. I think I got that right. And maybe I didn't, but there we go. Um, my school pushes for daily group work and I have a lot of introverted students in general. What is the group, what is it that, uh, wait, why is that group work is pushed? What about introverted kids? You know, I think that's, this is a great question. I think group work is pushed because there's a sense that like in life you have to work with other individuals and that's not always true. You could pretty much just work from home at this point on the internet and not deal with any actual people in your life. Um, but it's good maybe 
to, I, I think what I would do is the move has to be find out what those introverted students are really interested in and then give them that assi an assignment that, that it makes them be the best in the group for that. So I, right now we, we have to do, uh, like I'm going to do a group work coming up and I have a student that really loves drawing. And so in the part of the project that they are going to be doing, I'm going to push that kid to the art piece. That. Or if I have a student that's introverted, but they really like video editing, it's like, let's involve that component into the project. Um, or maybe you really like just writing notes or organizing things. Like that's your part. You don't have to be an active out loud participant in what's going on, but you are still participating as part of a group, but we're just finding your strength so that you are the right person for the job in your group. That's what I would try and be mindful of. But that's gonna take sitting with that student, getting to know them. And I think the more they feel comfortable about that, <clears throat> or maybe even mindfully putting them in a group where they're gonna have folks that are gonna show them compassion and care and aren't like overwhelming, like um, over the top kids that are gonna try and, I don't know. Not everybody's a cheerleader, you know what I mean? Some of them need to be in the band and play the tuba. And so you surround them with other people that want to play tubas and stuff. That was a weird metaphor, but I'm sticking with it. Uh, Mi Mickey? Mickey? I think it's Mickey. Mickey Lewis is saying, uh, gosh, I'm so ridiculous, <laughs> You know what dude. I was just thinking? I want someone to make a video of something that oh the teacher talks of you just trying pronounce to people's pronounce names, butchering these names. poor people's names that are like, you know. I know. It's kind of funny, though, just because... You're really kind and, and don't ever mean malice. Behind. I don't. It's just like my inability to yeah, actually read stuff. I am a first year teacher in Texas. Texas. Where were we? Waco, Tennyson Middle School. I spoke at last year. I loved it, man. I feel like I was in Friday Night Lights. Awesome. I am teaching eighth grade English and reading. How do I catch students up? I have too many that don't know what a verb is without boring advanced students. I think, gosh, that's a good question. What grade is it? Eighth grade? Yes. Uh, I don't think that you can catch up a, a kid that's like I don't so far behind. You just But I think what you can do for them is I think giving room I forget where I'm looking all the time on here. I I, <laughs> I, I think giving a kid room to read and to write helps. So that's why we read and write every day in my classroom. And then I check those journal entry so every day they come in they write a journal entry and it's always about the, excuse me for a second <clears throat> sorry i'm like i got like a sore throat this week and like because i think i've posted nasal drip and lots of talking whatever and i talk a lot so the bottom line is they write every single day five to eight sentences when they come into class and then i tell them like like little things like you look i literally wrote this on the board last week if you do not capitalize things and put periods at the end of sentences, it makes you look dumb. Even if you have a really complex, amazing, interesting thought that you're trying to share with everyone, but you don't capitalize someone's name and put a period at the end of the sentence, it just makes it look less than. But if you have very simple, short sentences with proper punctuation and capitalization, it just looks like you, you it makes it look like a more respectable response. So if you write an email to someone and it's one sentence long, but it's 50,000 words and there's no capitalization, you look like a wacko. So be mindful of that. Um, and 
so I think that's one thing is making them read right every day. I think also just giving space to read something that you want, just doing that increases your vocabulary. That's one of the reasons it's so important that students have freedom to read something and to read something they're excited about because it's going to increase their vocabulary just by doing that. Audiobooks do the same thing. So if you have a student that struggles with reading, but they're listening to audiobooks that are on their reading level, it's going to increase their vocabulary because they're just reading things that are of a higher caliber. So I think both of those things work, but it's just about creating space where you're just reading and writing every single day and then getting kids excited about it is, is the tricky part. But I think that can be done as well by you being excited about it as well. Uh, a follower's fight is saying, how do you deal with kids getting bad grades because of situational circumstances, such as family members passing? Do you think kids should be cut slack for situational circumstances? A hundred percent. I once had a kid, Kenyatta. Um, Kenyatta was built like a rhinoceros and he was riding a skateboard. And I don't know that those two things go together. And that's the joke that I made to him also. So I will tell you that I made it here. Um, he's like, like head of the, the wrestling team. He's like this big built dude. He hit a rock or something off the skateboard and went headfirst into the side of a car. And he was out for a month. He had a concussion. We're supposed to send home all this makeup work and stuff like that. And I'm like, there's no way. There's no way I'm going to give you little tiny words to read when you're suffering from a concussion. Like, it just doesn't work. So he came back. He was already repeating ninth grade. Came back from to school after a month or a month and a half, something like that. And... The idea that most teachers were doing was they were giving him all of his makeup work, which I just think is like, you've already been through something traumatic. You've already missed a month, a month and a half of school. Now to give you this whole pile of other crap on top of just trying to assimilate back into what we're doing is too much. Like that's, that's a terrible idea. So I just excused him of all the work. And I remember that this young woman who was a first year teacher came up to me and she was like, I heard that you let Kenyatta go. Like you didn't, make him make up any of that work. I said, yeah, and here's why. Like, I don't, I don't, I just don't think it's necessary and it's a bunch of reading and I don't think that that's good probably for him per the doctor. And she got so pissed at that that she was like, what? How could you do that? What if he passes now and he doesn't deserve it? And I'm like, dude, there's no way that kid still passes the year based on the month of work that I didn't make him do. It's just, I didn't give him a hundred for it. I just excused him. I just put like excuse. It excused in the grade book. And if he's going to fail, he's still going to fail. If he's going to win, he's still going to win, but it's not going to be because of that. So yeah, I 100% think that you should do that for students because they're, they're going through things and they're young. They're not callous like a lot of us are. They're not, they're not, they haven't had people die. They have been through hard things. Like it's all new to them. And so it's even harder. And so I think that that's why we should just have grace for those kids, but have the conversation and tell them why. I, the funny thing I think about that is adults don't <clears throat> want to be excused. Like they want that same, they operate out of that same rationale for themselves. It's like, why are you holding a child to a, a standard that you aren't even willing to hold yourself to? No, it's just, it's absurd. Yeah. So that's a great question. And I, I you know, I think come, come from Slack. Uh, Mikai Lewis is asking, do you prefer to read books in class or to give reading as homework? I'm afraid that they won't read it if they, are not doing it together in class. My students won't read if I give it to them for homework. Um, so here's how I do that. I tell them, here's how much I need to read today. This 10, 15 pages, whatever it is. If we can get through it, there's no homework. 
Whatever we don't get through becomes homework, and then there's a quiz tomorrow on it. But I make sure that if we do leave off, and I see that there's only two minutes left in class, and there's no chance we're getting these last five pages read, I will stop, and I add a good part, and I will say, all right, listen, you do have to read this for homework, but something amazing is going to happen at the end of this. Because right? I always want to leave it at something that's awesome. Somebody's dying. Somebody's getting pregnant. Somebody, something awful is going to happen. Something hilarious happens to this particular character. Wait till you see what happens. So you're building in this sort of like anticipation as to what's going to happen next. Then the next day, I give a one-question quiz. And that quiz is one question based on the reading that is something easy. I'm not trying to like, like be like, what color was Kevin's hair at the end of the chapter? Or like, it's something that if you read it, you know what it is. And then here's your options. If you put a one on your paper, you put your name on the top, you write one. That is you admitting that you did not do the reading, but you get one point out of three, right? So you still have some points and some's better than nothing. If you get a three, that means you got the answer completely right. There's no two. Um, so you either, or if you get it wrong, you take the zero. So it's either a zero because you didn't know it and you wrote an answer and you didn't know it. A one means that I didn't read it and I just am owning that. And then a three is you got it right. Now, if you have one and there's a number of like ones for quizzes in my grade book, then when I meet with your folks, it's like, I have this record of like you admitting that like when they go, how come my students not doing well? Because they don't read and look, they've admitted to not reading because they put ones all the time. So you have this like record of like them not reading and that really helps as well. What you got? Um, I think I stole that idea from someone. Oh, you don't I don't remember that. who it was. I, didn't, I don't know that I came up with it. Maybe I did. Maybe I stole it from myself. <laughs> um, Kelsey Lee asking, I am a theater dance uh, teacher. What do you think is the best way to market myself for jobs? I've been coaching at a middle school. Um, Kelsey, I think, one, it is knowing the school that you're going into. Too often, teachers that go on interviews act like they're speed dating, right? You're like sitting down with someone for 30 seconds and someone else and someone else and someone else and someone else. And you're hoping that there's going to be some magic there. But what would it look like if you were speed dating but you knew something about someone. Hey, I looked on your Instagram ahead of time or your Facebook, or I saw on LinkedIn that this is what you do for a job. Now it looks a little bit creepy, but in the job market, it's not creepy. So you're showing up to a school and you're saying, um, on your website, it says this, or I really liked this in your mission statement, or I saw that you guys have plays or you have theater, theatrical productions. Um, and I'm really excited because I think we could do something like this. Or I think that um, your school, like, because you are also involved, like you have a, a wood shop or whatever, like maybe they could build like the play, like the sets for the play. Like you're coming in with ideas. You're showing that you're excited about this particular school, not just a school. You don't just want a job. You want to work here. And this is why I think I'm a good fit for you all. Then have questions when you go into that interview and say like, hey, look, I have questions like, I noticed this on your website. I'm wondering like what services do you have for new teachers that help them to feel like they're heard or cared for or whatever like what are your views on this go in with questions because you're also interviewing the school they're not only interviewing you and that's a really important thing to remember because otherwise it's like you're just there like kind of groveling or begging for a job is what it kind of feels like right but instead you're like now like I want to be awesome and I want to be awesome with you guys and this is what I think I can let me paint that picture of what I want that involvement level to look like 
I think that that makes people more excited to, to hire you because otherwise it just, it's a bunch of people that just come in for another interview and it's just one of five interviews I'm going to be on today. And it's like, no, but why are we special? People want to be felt like, like they're special. And so make them feel special. Um, Sean Z is asking, uh, beginning a new project, students find problems in the community that they want to change and take steps to change it. Awesome idea. How do I help students who have picked an idea that isn't going to work without hurting um, creativity and ownership? I think by painting the picture as to why that particular thing doesn't work um, and really having an answer for that, like that's going to make you really know why this isn't something that works. Um, and helping them steer into something else. But, so maybe um, X doesn't work, but here's A, B, and C that are really good alternatives, and here's how I think we move forward with this, and this is why I think this is gonna be the best project in the class if we do this. And getting kids excited about it, so they're not like just lamenting the fact that their project is, has been changed or that their idea wasn't good enough. You're saying like, I, what I wanna do is not just do away with it, but like, let's shift a little bit like this. And that's why I think this, this, this thing are going to work and are better alternatives and then get excited about them, like, uh, with them and then help them through that beginning of that process to get the ball rolling and then just, you know, set them free. What's that? Oh, it's two part. Uh, Michael is asking, <clears throat> speaking to this Reynolds, I'm relatively new to my school and I'm, uh, in a corner with a few teachers that don't want to be there. Me and my co-teacher are new and excited and get, and get eyes all the time. Kind of a bummer being judged uh, often for being excited to teach. Dude, this has like been the story of my life. And I'm not, I'm not that guy really anymore. Um, I'm, the school that I'm at has a lot of teachers that are really excited to teach. But I know when I talk in Camden... Um, I know I got talked about a lot. I know, I know from people that were on the board that I would actually get talked about in board meetings. People would, people in administration would make fun of me because I turned my classroom into a set because we started a community garden because we were too loud in the classroom and there's too much going on. And they didn't think that was learning because to them, a quiet classroom was a learning classroom. And I think it's the opposite most of the time. Um, and so, <clears throat> It is going to take you being really comfortable with yourself, one, to just get through that because eventually you'll just be known for the type of crazy that you are and people will be like, oh, him, he's always doing that. So now when I bring people in, it's never thought of as like, oh, it's always just like, there goes Reynolds again, like, or we hear loud music or there's drummers in the hallway or whatever the hell's going on. Like people know that about you. I think the second thing is, is invite people into your awesomeness. And I'm not always good at this, but I try to be. If I have a speaker come in, if I have a DJ come in, if I have um, something awesome happening, I'll email the whole staff, the whole high school faculty, and I'll say, hey, look, this is happening in my classroom today. There's a graffiti artist coming in, a cartoon artist, an entrepreneur, something's like, we're presenting this thing today. And uh, the teachers in my school also do a really good job of this, of like, inviting people into your awesomeness. So it's like, hey, I'm not waiting to get invited to somebody else's party. I'm inviting people to my party. So we're having a cereal day and I want you to be invited because I know that you like Reese Puffs as much as I do. So come on down and eat lunch with us. And, and I think that that really works a lot of times too. What do you got? 
Last question. That was it. That was it. All right, well, cool. There's more, but it's... There's more, but we're over an hour. We're trying to keep this at an hour because that's part of my self-care. It's like I'm trying to, like, go be with the kids. Oh, actually, I got to go run first, but then be with the kids after that. It will be cool. Um, so, look, uh, coming up, um, I don't have any speaking engagements that are coming up soon. The Burgess one, if you are really interested, I think I think the Burgess conference is going to be it's good. I, it has I the potential. Like teach Better was like a glimpse into the Teach Better is, was the best conference I ever went to. I think the Burgess Conference is going to be, and I have no financial incentive. Like you going does not benefit me in any way, shape, or form. You're not even speaking. With it, with the, I, yeah, as of now, I don't even know that I have a speaking engagement there. I'm going to just speak anyway. I was staying in the parking lot on a <laughs> soapbox or something like that. Get a tent. Um, but if you're interested in that, it's going to be in San Diego in june and i'm super pumped for it because it's all the awesome people from teach better and then some so that could be a really really good one um and that's it gang i appreciate all of you i thank you so much for showing up every sunday night and for giving this your time not just me your time but like answering questions and and having comments and stuff like it's a really really important thing like like don't let that don't let that just go to waste let me say this again you are you right there are a part of a community that is trying to make the world more awesome and we're doing it and so keep doing it i, I applaud you and i think that you're awesome and i really really appreciate you and that's it gang we'll see you next week peace happy thanksgiving happy thanksgiving to people that celebrate thanksgiving or friendsgiving and all that stuff you're just going to keep this going and that's it for this week gang look if you ever want to have your question answered on sunday night teacher talk all you have to do is show up at 5 p.m eastern standard time on my youtube channel real rap with reynolds and i'd be happy to answer any question that you put out there nothing is off the table thanks so much for your support we really really appreciate it and i hope you have a great week peace <laughs>